Welcome to Twin Peaks Radio, the show where we remember, in the words of Major Garland Briggs, the real mystery can't be solved, not completely. It's always just out of reach, the light around the corner. You might catch a glimpse of what it reveals, feel its warmth, but you can't know the heart of it. Not really. That's what gives it value. It can't be cracked. It's bigger than you and me, bigger than everything we know. Or, like everyone else doing a show about Twin Peaks, let us pretend we can solve all of it if we just bang our heads against it enough. I'm Professor Robert E.G. Black. Today, I'm going to continue the conversation about prophets and aliens and secret societies and mountains by going backward. I mentioned Phaedrus by Plato two episodes ago, and I want to come back to it. I'm looking at a copy of it that I uh, highlighted and underlined things in from my college days. wrote a paper about this. I mentioned that, and I posted it in the uh, Facebook group for Twin Peaks Radio. But in particular, where was the piece I was trying to quote? Let me tell you about the two horses. Of the nature of the soul, though her true form be ever a theme of large and more than mortal discourse. Let me speak briefly and in a figure, and let the figure be composite, a pair of winged horses and a charioteer. Now the winged horses and the charioteers of the gods are all of them noble and of noble descent. But those of the other races are mixed. The human charioteer drives his in a pair, and one of them is noble and of noble breed, and the other is ignoble and of ignoble breed, and the driving of them, of necessity, gives a great deal of trouble to him. Blah, blah, blah. Yada, yada, yada. You should read the whole thing sometime. It's actually fascinating. A little dry. Fascinating. I should read from my paper instead, is what it should do. Originally entitled From Plato to Homer, From Charioteer Myth to Shoulder Angel, a rhetorical look at our divided soul. The from Plato to Homer part was removed later because it was mostly a joke. Because I start the paper with Homer Simpson. In the Simpsons episode, The Frying Game, Homer accidentally kills the endangered screamapiller living in his backyard and out of thin air pops a small devil on one shoulder, a small angel on the other. They try to influence his choice. For bad, to hide the body, and for good, not, respectively. <gasps> oh no! I crushed that horrible bug! What should I do? Bury it quickly before anyone finds out. Ooh, I'm gonna tell. The hell you will! No, we're in it together. There's no going back. <laughs> yeah! In the episode, we're on the road to Doware. Homer instead has strict Homer, who looks like a futuristic police officer, and fun Homer, who looks more like a clown. Dad, neither of us want to go. Why are you doing this? Where's the old carefree Homer who likes to cut loose? You mean fun Homer? I'm afraid serious Homer has him locked up till you're at your snooty torture camp. Fight back, fun Homer! Together we can win! It's no use. Ah, oh, come on, serious Homer. Let me out. We'll get a monkey drunk and push him down the stairs. I'll kill you the way I killed intellectual Homer. Still, these are smaller versions of Homer, not just abstract representations of angels and devils and police officers and clowns. Each one, rather, is a miniature simulacrum of the character in question, aspects of self that serve to direct our actions, within moralistic bounds. 
The Shoulder Angel and Shoulder Devil are not exclusive visuals to The Simpsons. And the paper continues, going through old Looney Tunes cartoons, Married with Children, expanding into Herman's Head, and then going backward to Plato. But it comes down also to a sort of consensus about religion? I mean, especially Christianity. I'm thinking about the version I grew up with. I essentially grew up in a large cult, the Worldwide Church of God, and their notion was that demons are all around us. So are angels, but angels are there to protect you when you're good, and demons are there to lure you into being bad, which is similar to a way you could think about Bob. He's a demon. He comes to Leland, in particular, and this is where it gets weird. Bob predates Leland, right? The demons exist. But then again, it's a dream. So they also might not exist. They might not be real. They might be things, that, the names we give to the urges that come to us. The dark reality of the story is that when Leland was a kid at Pearl Lakes, he was molested by a neighbor with the name Robertson. And then when Leland had a daughter, that cycle of abuse continued into the next generation, and Leland molested and raped his daughter, and eventually murdered her. Bob is real, but Bob is just an influence. He's a driving force, he's not you. Leland was weak, and so he went along with this, gave in to the urges that Bob wanted him to give in to. It doesn't mean you blame Bob, but it also means you do. Blame Bob because it's a dream and it's a show and it's a thing, it's a narrative, it's a story. Which brings me back around to the secret societies and the lodges. The Freemasons and the Illuminati both want the same thing. They want to be in charge of everyone as we become better. But they still want to be in charge. I was thinking about it this way the other day. Why is the giant limited in what he can tell Dale? The giant is good, but he's manipulative forces you into what he wants. Maybe. You know, he's just he's just a push. Just like Bob. You have to be a receiver for that. You have to want it. Which then takes me backward again because I'm thinking, who is Bob? Who is Judy? Who is Mike? I asked a few episodes ago, how many people has Bob killed? Bob has been in Leland since the 50s. Has Leland been killing people for decades? And Laura was just the last. Well, not the last because he kills Jack Renault, but when did Mike cut off his arm? When did he and Bob stop killing together? And how does this connect to Judy? Ugh. I don't really need to talk about Judy. We're not going to talk about Judy. Well, we will. I don't need to, though, until we get to Fire Walk With Me. She is not a presence in the first two seasons unless you see her because you look for her. And that is just the logic of dreams, the logic of interpretation of fiction, is that we retcon it. We hear about Judy and we're like, where did we see Judy before? But then you get into the whole convoluted stuff of, was Judy going to be a sister of Josie Packard? Is that why Bob killed Josie? Did Bob kill Josie? We'll get to that when we get to season two. We're going to get bogged down in these things because... There aren't always clear explanations because it's a dream. It's more about how you feel. What does it make you think of? How does it go? Is Judy called Judy because of the what Chinese phrase? What is it? Jiao Dei? To scream? Call out? If so, is that bad? Why does one scream? Call for help. That's why. 
Maybe Judy's good. Who is the monkey? Why does he say Judy? We don't know. Who is the experiment? Is that Judy? Is Sarah Palmer Judy? Is Judy the white horse? If Judy is the white horse, is she trying to warn people? Is there any point in warning people when the lodges exist outside the regular flow of time and they know how it's going to go? When even the arm, who should be good, as far as we've seen, he's certainly helpful. And even Mike, who should be good because he cut off the arm, because he saw the face of God, still want their share of the Garmambosia because they're still demons. Uh, I want all my Garmambosia. Two more thing for this one. Bob. Why is he called Bob? This is where it gets fun for me. Because I think they just named him Bob because they wanted something simple. They didn't intend to explain him. And they still have never fully explained him. Where does he come from? We don't know. Some people interpret part eight of The Return as an origin story, but it's not exactly. It's not an origin story because it isn't clear in the episode, I don't, I don't think. People were like, it can't be Sarah Palmer who gets the frog moth in her mouth because the timing's wrong, but the timing is fine. The explosion, the nuclear explosion that we see in slow motion that seems to connect in some way to the creation of Bob. Maybe he's just the latest. But has Bob only ever been in Leland? The timing is strange, but it's a dream. It doesn't have, Bob has always been there, but also Bob was created then. Both can be true. It's the uh, Alice in Wonderland thing, holding two contradictory thoughts in your head at the same time. The scene at the radio station, the scene with the woodsman, the scene with the frog moth, that's not at the same time as the explosion. It's in 1956. The final dossier specifically talks about it. Some people who've read the final dossier, I think, forget details of it. Some people who've read the... They're like, isn't the story contradictory about Norma and her mother? And I think it's in the secret history. Talking about when her mother died. When we see her mother, except the final dossier covers for that. And maybe it was a retcon by Mark Frost because he realized he'd messed up. But either way, it works because they cover it. She just didn't want to explain to people that it's not her real mother. It's her stepmother. It's a... It, you gotta put all these things together. I like putting all the things together. I like connecting the Frost books, the secret diary, the secret history, the final dossier, the Dale Cooper tapes, the access guide, and all of this other stuff. Moonchild, the Devil's Guard, Theosophists, Rosicrucians, Templars, the Bavarian Illuminati, the Freemasons, Lewis and Clark, Project Blue Book, Aliens, Demons, Prophets, mountains. It all goes together. But I wanted to end with Bob. This is from internationalstandardbible.com talking about Beelzebub. They suggest Beelzebub is an error after the Vulgate for Beelzebul. In the time of Christ, this was a current name for the chief or prince of demons and was identified with Satan and the devil. Uh, there could be little doubt this is the same name as Beelzebub. It is a well-known phenomenon in the history of religions that the gods of one nation become the devils of its neighbors and enemies. When the Aryans divided into Indians and Iranians, the Devas 
remained gods for the Indians, but became devils, devas, for the Iranians, while the Ahuras remained gods for the Iranians and became devils, asuras, for the Indians. Why Beelzebub became Beelzebul, while the B changed into an L, is a matter of conjecture. It may have been an accident of popular pronunciation or a conscious perversion. Beelzebul, in Syriac, is Lord of Dung. But generally, I'm not reading now, you can take Baal as Lord, Zebul as Dung, or possibly a bastardization of Zebhub, or Zebul, which means house. So Bazabul may mean Lord of the House rather than the Belzebub, which is generally translated as Lord of the Flies. Now, switching sources. We come to the Satanic Wiki, where Baal-Zebub is variously understood to mean Lord of Flies or Lord of the Heavenly Dwelling. Originally the name of a Philistine god, Belzebub is also identified in the New Testament as Satan, the Prince of the Demons. Blah, blah, blah. I like to think that Bob is just a shortened bastardization of Zebub. Flies. Sebastian Michaelis associated Beelzebub with the deadly sin of pride. According to Peter Binsfield, Beelzebub was the demon of gluttony, whereas Francis Barrett asserted that Beelzebub was the prince of false gods. But none of that matters because it's a dream. We live inside a dream. Or we live inside a TV show. Remember, in the words of Major Garland Briggs, mystery is the most essential ingredient of life. Mystery creates wonder, which leads to curiosity, which in turn provides the ground for our desire to understand who and what we truly are. This has been a production of Lemming Drops Studio. You can find links to more at lemmingdrops.com. Follow the show on Twitter at Peaks Radio, on Facebook and Instagram at Twin Peaks Radio, or join the Facebook group Lemming Drops Studio Tour. Additionally, the owls may not be what they seem, but they still serve an imperative function. They remind us to look into the darkness. (laughs) 